Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bottom line is these two guys really like each other. Mackey and Judd. They've formed a special brotherhood. They've said, you know what? We can do this better together than apart. On 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to Real 1500 ESPN FC with Philip Mackey and Judson Zolgad United. Put your flags up in the sky. And John Cosgrove, one half of the world-famous Crafty Rogues podcast, popular in Scotland, Northern Ireland, and at all levels of Brit's Pub. And uh, we are our biggest listenership is partly in Dubai. Dubai, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I don't Big understand Dubai, that huh? one. Big in Dubai. Maybe it's the expats out there. Just go with it. Hey, yeah. Just take it. It doesn't matter why. We can't control who likes us. We can control who doesn't like us. <laughs> But we can't control. And a lot of our listeners and fans, quote-unquote, are playing the old course in St. Andrews today. Big shout-out to them. Not that they're listening. Well, they might later. Some of them are on the plane on the way there right now, and some of us are going tomorrow. Nice. Nice. Scotland! We need your help on something here. All right. right. Is it American? Very. <laughs> it's as American as it gets, which, it is. Is, gonna, which is really going to repress right. you. Uh, I, I don't mean for this to be a patronizing question, but right. so, sometimes there are American pop culture things that we must explain. Do you know who Ric Flair is? No. Okay. Even better. So, Judd, let me set it this way. So, Judd has been complaining for years, and I agree with him, that American sports, we've talked about this with you a million times, that we just need more of a festive atmosphere inside American sports stadiums and arenas, right? We need more organized chanting and cheering like soccer matches. Or, we need, or maybe more impromptu chanting and sure, cheering. Sure. Exactly. We need more World Baseball Classic-like atmospheres, right? So, yes. last night at Target Field, and this is happening now across baseball stadiums, Fans are going with the Ric Flair chant, or the Ric Flair uh, woo, if you will. Just since since you don't know who Ric Flair is, let's play a little sampling here of uh, one of the great professional wrestlers of all time who went to school for five minutes at the University of Minnesota. He's a legend. He's a kiss-dealing, wheeling-dealing son of a gun. Dave, hit what it. What you don't like about me is that I'm rich. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know where you were born? In the gutter. You're trash. You grew up lifting weights while I was whining and dining. Ooh, beautiful women. Okay. Ric Flair, legendary professional wrestler. And Quick hit- question. Yeah, Is this ahead. in the same era as Barn Von Roschke? Probably. They kind of overlapped a little in the okay. late 70s. Because right, sure. I know who he is. Yeah. Ric Flair loves to... That's a signature. Sounds like a 70s hairband guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not far. He looked like that too in the 80s as well. So last night, and this is a new thing, 
fans break out in just sporadic, random woo So, like, I might be sitting over here, you might be sitting in the upper deck, and I might call woo and it just starts pinging across the entire stadium. It's very American. It's impromptu. It's so American. <laughs> He's Cosgrove yeah. is so American. So American. <laughs> He's going right down the path. Uh, Come on, it's festive. Lash out, lash are they out, drinking, Are they drinking out of their $10 pin buddy <laughs> way? Of course they are. Or cups, too? Of course they are, yes. Oh. They're drinking their overpriced beer with their wooing. Ay, 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 ay. So you're a, you're a no on the wooing. I mean, if there's something going on, and, you know, if, it's a way, if it was a way of, like, teasing the opposing player... To make fun of him when he goes to swing for the ball and he misses and you go woo and you do that that would fun but just randomly doing it because I'm a dude and you're a dude no. Let's be dudes. No. <laughs> makes now, no sense to me we have some, we have some clarification which I think you're going to like and which I did not realize but Paul tweets in the wooing just beneath the press box in the Legends Club last night was Twins fans trolling some Astro fans who kept doing the woo. Okay. okay. So, so right. it's a little bit better. So, yeah. Okay. Because the Slowly. Astros fans are, they love to do the woo. Yes. Not surprising. Houston, yes. Houston, Texas. Yes. Oh, woo. Yeah. So, Hi-yo. so, yeah. So, if they were. Rick Flair's not from Houston. No, I know. But, but in Houston, I can see them doing the woo. So, if they're doing the woo <laughs> and Twins fans are mocking the woo. I like that. Then I like it. I, I'm all over that. What would the woo sound like in the uh, upper northeast area in New York? Woo. Woo. <laughs> hey, Mawa. Woo. <laughs> So anyway, that's important clarification because if it you was know, trolling, then I'm all for it. it I says thought a it lot. was just annoying. It does say a lot about the American fan, quote unquote, when something takes off with such a short sentence. Like there's no Rick, there's no memorizing this. You do it once, you get it. At the weekend, we had one of the greatest football matches, soccer games in Premier League history, Man United, Man City. Man City needed a win to win the Premier League, earliest team ever to do it. They're playing Man United, they're big rivals. They're 2-0 up at halftime. City are just smoking them. They should be 5-0 up. Something happened in the dressing room at halftime. Man United came out with rockets up their arses and crushed them 3-2. I bet those Man United fans weren't going, Woo! to the Man City fans after the game. They were singing something along the sure. lines of, you're getting your head kicked in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you put it nicely. I just feel like it's a it's a step in the right direction of just creating more of an it atmosphere is. and being get, fun. Let's keep it going. We've started with a very, very low base and let's work let's work our way up. But that seventy that whole seventies, eighties wrestling um era let you know it's respectful. We can respect it, but let's not use that as the basis going forward. And, and I like would 30 be thirty years ago. And I would be a big fan of. Let's say you got like drums in left field, like some people banging mm-hmm. the bongos. I'd be I'd be fine with that. That's festive. Yes. It's just that the wooing, as much as they were doing it, became annoying. And it's random. Oh, it's completely random. Yeah, it should be. It's it should not be sparked. It should be sparked. You know, like in soccer when the. For a couple of years, when the goalie is running up, the opposing goalie is running to kick the ball out, the crowd behind the goal go ah! as he kicks it to try and distract him. It's directed by something happened on the field, not by some dude. Oh, I got a slug of butt in my gut. I'm gonna do the woo. <laughs> is that your is that your typical Minnesota oh, sports geez. fan? All, all cripes, yeah, yeah, sure is. <laughs> Sorry, oh, hashtag. Hashtag Minnesota Irish, don't you know? Do you get American <laughs> sports playoff fever? Like, so tonight we've got Minnesota Wild 
and Winnipeg Jets game one yes. of uh, of a two-month playoff stretch that the Wild usually doesn't participate in all two months of, uh-huh. historically. We also have Wolves Nuggets to get into the playoffs. Yes. Whoever wins gets in tonight. However, I will say, uh, with my limited knowledge of playoffs, and I, I love the baseball playoffs, they tend to go on a little too long. Like the basketball ones tonight. When does when is the one of the what month hockey are the champions crying? Mid, what mid, month? Mid to end of June. Hockey yes. won't end until June. Yes. We're, we're, it's too long. We're in mid April. I haven't paid my taxes yet. No offense. And we're starting playoffs. To me, the playoff season is the start of the real season, and the real season is just the warm up. And the real season in all those sports is the problem. It's the too problem. it's too long, and they'll never. Pull it back because no. they make too much. But but the hockey season is way too long. The basketball season, baseball. I would love to see them go from one sixty two to one one fifty four, which is not a drastic reduction. But in hockey, if you came to me tomorrow, and it's my favorite sport, and you said, Judd, we're going to make the regular season in the National Hockey League sixty games. Yeah, which would be a massive decrease. I'd say I'm fine with it. Yeah. And start the play and get the playoffs done by some point in May. Yeah, there's okay. such a huge gap between the urgency and fun of the hockey playoffs and like the droning on of their regular season that lasts I know. seven months or whatever. Absolutely, and you know we'll keep you guys on your toes a little more as well. Uh, also, this past weekend I sat down to watch what what I thought would be the great tussle between uh, Patrick Reed and uh, Rory McIlroy. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was his name? Patrick. I'm not a fan. I saw how he he was mm-hmm. in the Ryder Cup as a as a European living here in Minnesota. I watched that frat boy. I bet you he woos. Yeah. He so I was looking was. for him to be crushing. <gasps> yeah, he dominated you guys too. Yeah, how does unfo- it feel? Un- unfortunately, still bitter. Unfortunately, uh, Rory didn't step up to the plate. He he fell away and choked. Um, which you know something we can get used to here in Minnesota. Little dig there. That's no, true. It's but we okay. did. We it's choked okay. because he wanted the green jacket. But the whole. The whole thing after the after the tournament, when they go into this like little uh, country club room and they have this discussion before they put on the green jacket, oh my gosh, dripping. Hello, friends. What? We go down to Butler Cabin now with yeah. a bunch of old white people. Yes, really. With re- each other. These white people have been alive for 147 <laughs> years. What was? Who was the guy in charge at the Masters with that great hair, though? It looked like he woke up in the morning, reached to his <laughs> night table, picked up his hair and put it on his head, and then said, "Now I'm ready to go talk yes. to Jim Nance." And, and and my name is probably Wilbur. Yeah, it's Wilbur. It's Higginbottom. Wilbur. Yes, Wilbur Higginbottom. But that whole thing, and there's no cup. There's no cup to hold up. No, you just, just walk around like a prat wearing a green jacket. Yeah, it's true. And then so I, I, don't you have to leave the green jacket? I think you have to leave it at Augusta National, right, Dave? At least not for a while because he was wearing it at the Knicks game the next night. Okay. Oh, hey, well, well, it might have been a fake one. He leaves it with all the lady members in their cloakroom so they, they can look after it yeah. for him. Yeah, bo- both of them. Yes. So you're only allowed, only allowed a couple Two days a year. Two every 300 years. Yes. Uh, can we ask you when we come back about Darwin Quintero, the new transfer to Minnesota United FC? Yes. Or even yes. like the no, league that he there. used to play in. I was there when he was, uh, quote-unquote, introduced to the crowd in the chilliness of the Atlanta ah. defeat. All right, we'll do that. We also heard about an amazing comeback in Champions League this week. Oh, it was we glorious. And, uh, and plenty more on Wild and Wolves tonight. Twins are in action right now. It's sunny and it's in the 40s, and Kyle Gibson is trying to navigate this Astros lineup. Mackie and Judd with our friend from the Crafty Rogues podcast, John Cosgrove. 
Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. Cross! All right, Cosgrove, we're going to give Judd five guesses to guess what that was. That was um, that was a, a a precursor of what's to come tonight when when the, the Wild scores his first goal against the Jets and Lapana no. calling yeah. a goal. Is that right? As the game Koi was cleared, that life. was Brody. Brody just scored for the Wild to make Koi it Koi over one to nothing. Suter who was injured. Uh, yeah, was that a was that an animal giving birth or was it the play by play guy for Roma? Yes. Oh. Defeating Barcelona after being down four goals to one in the Champions oh, okay. League. Okay, well, that's uh, it was unbelievable. That's a big deal. So I'll set the scene. Yeah, I'm sitting in my living room with my my good friend Nick uh, from from Buckinghamshire, who speaks very plainly, and uh, we've on to our second cup of tea in the afternoon because he has to go run and I have to go to yoga, so we we don't want to well, overdo look at you. it. Look at you. And uh, you know, I'm just setting the scene. This way, we don't go woo at games, and. We're watching the Liverpool Man City game on the other channel, and then it's time. Hang on, that game's done. It's obvious Liverpool are going to win. Let's jump over because we're also on our phones. Oh my gosh, Roma scored two. It looks like they're going to score a third. And in the excitement of my sweaty palms, I clicked over just after Roma scored, so I missed that whole excitement. Yeah. But it was still it. Like to put it in context, it was unbelievable. That no one, no one would have guessed that that would happen. Barcelona is one of the best teams in the world. England, even English Nick got a little excited watching that one. And it was four to one. It was four to one. So it's a two-legged game. Yeah. So you take the first game, uh, Barcelona won four one. The return game is in Roma, and they have this weird thing called the away goals rule. So if it ends up being a tie, you count how many away goals, road goals, you would call them, and those count as double. So Roma score three, and then you get your away goal. They go through. It's way too sophisticated for us American sports fans, but it sounded awesome. Like the play-by-play yeah. call sounded well, very exciting. And, and you, you guys uh, usurped me because I was going to put that clip on the podcast tonight. Now I don't have to. I'll just tell them to listen to this clip instead. You can, which will be available, by the way, in the Crafty Rogues Hold feed on, here. Right well, now, very so. nice. Yeah, Let's absolutely. back up for one second. You should play the clip still on the podcast, though. It's very... So you're telling, you're telling me that the away goals mean more and that's what leads to being considered If the... it's a tie. Okay. And the reason behind that, <laughs> and it's antiquated, I we know fixed that problem. There are there are many many discussions about this on sports talk radio in the UK right now about the value of away goals. Originally, originally back in the day, you know, if you're playing an away game in Donetsk or in Kiev and you've travelled all that way and you manage to score a goal, you should be rewarded. Now, of course, we've got things like airplanes that get them there much quicker, right. and that shouldn't really count as much. Yeah, that, that makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, tell us about Darwin Quintero, the uh, the first, the most important signing probably in the history of Minnesota United. In the FC short Soccer. history of Minnesota United. But even going back, like, they weren't doing this when they were up no. in Blaine either, so. No. Yes. Uh, not since the glory days of Carl Craig at Minnesota United has there been this much excitement among the fans when uh, this, this guy gets signed. He's their first, quote-unquote, 
platform player. You guys have a word for it here in America. Uh, their marquee player that they've designated as their professional. He's the one w- who's got the history and the background to take Minnesota, quote-unquote, to the next level. Okay. There's a lot of weight in his shoulders, but of course he could run out in his first game, twist his knee in that stupid turf. That would be very Minnesota sports And that would be the end yes, of it. For sure. Minisca. He could hurt his menisca on the Minnesota <laughs> That's turf. That's very good. Yeah, hurt, you like that he, one? He could hurt both menisci, too. He, he could. Both. Uh, and But hopefully he won't. Uh, Inchi Heath has put a lot of faith in him, and uh, hopefully he'll uh, he'll deliver the goods because Des- we need him. We need him. Designated player. Designated is the player. term that you are you, looking you for. You knew that, or you looked it up. I looked it up, but I saw it a couple of weeks ago when when he I, so so your designated player, like a designated driver. He is the one that's going to bring you home. <laughs> yes. How good is he still? <laughs> How good is he at this point? Because he's his... thirty. He's definitely he's yeah. he's he's got probably two good seasons in him. Okay. So let's hope he stays fit, or as you would say, stay healthy. Okay. Yeah. He's not going to get fat. And there'll be no wooing at him unless he scores a lot of goals. Hey, I'm with you. For sure. I because we went to the, Quino and I, uh, of Crafty Rogues, craftyrogues.com, went to Minnesota United Atlanta, which wasn't that dissimilar to last year, except there wasn't snow, but it was cold. The only thing dissimilar, instead of 30,000 fans showing up, we probably had about 10. Because it was biting it was cold. Saturday night, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was aggressive. We felt bad for the players down there with that wind whipping up. It that's was not a fun game. The biggest difference, so you know, soccer players are out there. It's running time, and uh, you do get to go back and warm up for halftime. But you're out there when you when you walk out, and, and you're right the there. Pre-game. So you're out there for like an hour before you go in for halftime, and you don't get. It's not like in football, American football, where you put right, on the jackets. defense goes back to the sidelines, jackets, or in baseball, at least the dugouts heated. Uh, yes. you know, outdoor hockey, this maybe is, you sit on the bench. You're out there. You're right there. And there are the, what were they mostly wearing? It's mostly shorts, shorts and some long sleeve shirts yeah. underneath, maybe was, some Under Armour. It was, but. it was tough. And, you know, there's only so much running around you can do. But it was the wind. The wind, the wind destroys it. Yeah. Not yeah. fun. So hopefully they'll regroup. They're playing Portland Timbers. Uh, this weekend, uh, which is a cool name. They didn't there? call themselves United. There or here? There, in Portland. They got whipped 5-1 there last year. Yes, so I remember. First game. Yeah, so they first need ga- to first ever uh, game. They need to think about that. That's my one complaint. How in the hell did we end up with three teams with the exact same name <sighs> in this league? And and why can't... There's why so many league... cool things. But it goes back to the culture of the wooing as well, because let's... Let, okay, wooing was the first suggestion. Are we yeah. going to take the <gasps> suggestion? Or are we going to give this some thought and add a little bit but of culture this, to it? This team has a cool name. The Loons is a really it's great. Cool, the Loon, I mean, how do you not just say, you know what? That's a great idea. It we'll is. just call ourselves the, the Loons. Loons. Your logo would be really neat. Yes, it is already is. They have a great logo. Yes, so they have a great logo. So there was no reason. United has nothing to do with it. I mean, how how do you have two teams come in and say we're both going to pounce on, on a name that's by the way used by the Washington team, which is already in existence? Uh, full disclosure, Crafty Rogues is not an official spokesman for Minnesota United, as you probably gather by us ripping on their name. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Uh, but, as an outsider, which I like to think of myself as being, uh, United was a terrible choice. But we're stuck with it. Although, And, we're go- and you know, and to be fair, yeah. there's a little bit of an insult to the fans, too, because the scarves come with instructions. Do they really? What it do you says mean? scarves up. Oh, scarves oh, up. I see, I see. Okay, okay. That's a, that's, a, that's a Quino joke. Yeah, I got uh, Yeah, but they were the loons. We're going to call them the loons. <laughs> really, that's really good. That's good stuff. Like we're going to yeah. we're going to call them the loons. Good. And they're playing the Timbers and the Sounders, and you know these are all great names. These Ameri- are all great names. American sports teams up until the late '80s 
NBA all had the plural form, right? I like the that. S on the end. Mm-hmm. And maybe unless there's a hockey team in there somewhere, but then then the late '80s and the '90s come along, and the NBA starts with Heat Mag- yeah. and Magic, 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 then Heat, and then the NHL comes in with Avalanche. And there's a few yeah. others here that I'm missing too, but it's like instead of the Miami, you know, firefighters or Miami something tsunami, like yeah, okay. tsunamis or yes. or that. Well, and then and then we jumped in and we got our expansion hockey team yeah. and we decided to be the wild, ambiguous. And you think United's bad, which I don't like, but I don't well, like. But Loons is awesome. Yes. Loons is awesome, but I don't like the soccer name because it's taken. It's taken. If, if they were the first, I'd say fine. But you, but Wild is just a stupid name. I, and to be fair, Manchester United are known as United. There shouldn't be Newcastle United. There shouldn't be West Ham United. There shouldn't be well, and, Scunthorpe United. And then your it sport, should be Man United. But then your sport claims, but this is our culture. We have to yeah, blah, 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 bleep yeah. off. Well, let me tell you about your culture, England. And the genocidal ways you've had for eight hundred years and colonization, <laughs> but we're not going to get into that. That's that's in my next. <laughs> those those are elements we talk about more succinctly on the Crafty Rogues. <laughs> All right, where can people find your podcast, and where can people find your uh, your buffoonery? Uh, so we're every Wednesday night. We're at Brits, uh, seven o'clock. You can come down, hang out with us, and we have pints afterwards. Uh, but you can get the podcast on your podcast one. Which is something with you guys operate, right? Pretty much anywhere you would be able to find podcasts, you can find. But we uh, like the you to go Rose. to podcast one because well, go to, to fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. It's yeah. easier to find. Uh, you can also uh, you can also just go find it on Apple Podcasts. Anything or with ESPN written on it that I can be affiliated to, I'm happy. You're with. all in on it. Yes, you you, you leech. Yes, <laughs> this has been a great appearance, Castro. You've been on fire today. I love it. Uh, one more time here. Uh, he's in pain. Manolasso di testa! Manolasso di testa! Manolasso di testa! Mamma mia! Mamma mia! Mamma mia! It's unbelievable. Actually, you know what? Logan Morrison just barreled up a line drive. That might have been Corey Provis's call here, too. Oh, mamma mia! It's a line <laughs> it's drive. It's unbelievable. Uh, winds up being an out, of it's course. Better than a woo, and with that, we're out. They're wooing, by I the way, shot. at the Twins game again today. Right now. Oh, sources I just are know. telling you? Braden just tweeted me. Good. One out, and they're wooing. Good. It's festive. It's fun. John Cosgrove, find him as part of the Crafty Rogues podcast. Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw our way next? Biggest game in 14 years. Got to get to a little Wolves talk. All right, cool. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It'd be nice to see these two come together and uh, try to work something out here. Mackey and Judd. I mean, all we're getting is yelling from both, and it's the yelling and shouting doesn't accomplish anything. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Um, I feel good. You know, I feel confident. You know, I feel we played a good game last time we played them. It just came came short at the end. You know, but I'm looking forward to this one. I'm sitting in the house, I'm loading up the pump. I'm loading up the Uzi. I got a couple of M16s. Couple nines. I got a couple joints with some silencers on. I'm just loading up clips, a couple grenades. Got a missile launcher with a couple, you know, missiles. I'm ready for war. Every game counts. You know, the game you can look back on. We 
we lost the teams that we had no business losing to, and you know it's haunting us now. Yes, Andrew Wiggins channeling his inner Kevin Garnett for this big game tonight. <laughs> I'm worried about my my gas tank to drive to the game tonight, and it's going to be really exciting to be there once I park. I'm going to walk in. I mean, it, it's huge. Oh boy! All right, Dave's got some questions for us. We got a big day of Minnesota sports here. Twins already down one nothing. They did load the bases against Lance McCullers, but couldn't score in the first inning. Glenn Taylor should offer. He should call KG today and say, "All right, million bucks, just show up tonight. We'll put everything to bed that's you know been between the two of us. Just show up and pump up the crowd before the game. Surprise appearance. Do you think if a million dollars would do it? I don't. Two, five. Ten, whatever. Part ownership. Ooh, gotcha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I All love right. the idea. All right, of course, this is a brilliant idea. It is. Uh, the Timberwolves season is coming down to this game. Oh, I think we've got somebody running away from the cops on the traffic cam right now. This is good stuff. Oh, we do. Uh, we do. What is this? Yeah, you just hopped the fence. Oh, this is great. Okay. 35W at Maryland, or 35E, excuse me, at Maryland. Where's Keep Kevin Harlan when you need him? Cops all around right now. He crosses the street him. over across Maryland, underneath the I-35E <laughs> North Bridge. He goes around an apartment complex. Three police officers are on foot. Can he outrun them? This is amazing. There's like multiple. Yeah. Wow. Fell in a red hoodie, it appeared, and maybe jeans. So uh, if you're in the area, look out. Anyway, Wolves. All coming down to one game tonight. Playoffs or no Wolves Nuggets. Target Center at 7 o'clock. I find it very stupid that people are saying, well, you know, I mean, it all depends on this game. If they make the playoffs, then you got to, you know, keep Tibbs around and, you know, you got everything's got to be status quo for next year because they're a playoff team. Come on. Versus if they happen to just lose by one point tonight, you can blow everything up and fire everybody. And you that's, that's your perfect opportunity because, hey, they lost by one point instead of winning by one point in one stupid basketball game out of 82. It's not about the one game, but that's fine. Actually, it totally is. Uh, so my question is this guy here can you determine. Yet, if the season is a success or not. Was the Timberwolves season successful, yes or no? Or are you waiting until tonight? The body of work of Tom Thibodeau's first two years is not successful. I didn't ask that question. Tonight's game is symbolic of that if they lose. Tonight's game is the little cherry on top of a two-year stretch that will not have been successful. I asked this season, not two seasons. I asked this season, the season now with Jimmy Butler, that you have achieved 15 more wins already than you had all of last season. For sure. This would be a 100% failure of a season if they don't make the playoffs. So it's all on one game to you. No, it's, it's an 82-game season. But you just said it all comes down to this game because of the so first if you 81 win by games. one point. Why is this success? Is that what you're saying? Because of the first 81 games, you are in this spot, and now you should step up and make the playoffs. Um, and to, to further answer, like here's the thing: you can't look at last year. It, well, well, they they made a 15 win jump from last year, right? Last year they underachieved with two of the best young players, at least going into the season last year in the NBA. Like for them to not win closer to 40 or 45 games last year was a huge indictment on Tom Thibodeau's teaching ability, his ability to instill defensive principles in young players. Like that was a huge indictment. So he said, all right, I can't, I can't teach these guys. Let's trade some of them, bring in Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler is the reason why they're sitting here. 15 more wins compared to last year and, and Taj Gibson. So um, it would be a failure. If you have two of the top 15 players in the NBA, and it might even be two of the top 10 or 12 players in the NBA, and you can't be in the top half of the league and wins, that's a huge failure. Huge failure. But if they make the playoffs winning by one tonight, it's not so much of a failure? 
It would, st- it would still be kind of a failure. Like, if they got swept out, embarrassed by the Rockets, and they weren't a 3, 4, or 5 seed to give them a better chance, yeah, it would still be kind of a failure. Yeah. I see where you're going. And the answer to your question is... It's not hard. Like, it's like they're, right, they're underwhelming. The answer is right now, it is, win or lose tonight, a failure. And here's why. As documented earlier in today's show, you've lost to Orlando 24-57. and 57. Yeah. Atlanta, 24 and 58. Brooklyn, 28 and 53. Chicago, 27 and 54. And you've lost twice to Memphis, 22 and 59. And Phoenix, 21 and 61. Isn't there another terrible team they lost to twice? I thought we went over this a week or two ago after the Memphis loss. I thought there was 10 total games there that might, there were there embarrassing might, losses. There might be. The, po- the point being, though, is that, as, as we talked about, if you win, let's say you go 6-2 and two in those games right now, you're a three-seed and you're playing a first-round series that you can win, people might feel good if they win tonight and make the playoffs and say, oh, yeah, the streak is over at 13 years, but this season is, in my opinion, a failure from what it should have been. That's all I need to know. I'm not sure we're not getting the Glenn Mason treatment. Well, I mean, would have made the field goal, then, you know, we don't fire him. I think if you here's the thing, if you win tonight, it gives you a chance to win more games in the postseason and then make it more successful. But now you put yourself in a spot that you're going to face the Rockets or the Warriors. It's interesting that you say that because that leads us right into question number two. Let's say they do win tonight and let's say they end up as the eight seed going up against the vaunted Houston Rockets, a dominant team all season long. Simple question, who on the Houston Rockets needs to be injured for the series for the Wolves to win? Well, it's going to be more than one. So you're saying just one? Or can, no, can I'm I wipe saying out? If, it, if it's just Harden, fine. If it's just Paul, fine. If you need both of them, fine. If you need just Harden and Capella, fine. Tell me. Well, What's the uh, who do you need to go Jeff Galuli on oh, with yeah. the crowbar? <laughs> oh, oh, Harden for sure. Harden without Why? a qu- Harden without a question. Why me? And then after I get after I get done kneecapping Harden, I go for Paul for sure. Um, and at that point, I'm not positive I can win, but I think that's a start. Think, if, yeah. If I took out both of them, Houston's still going to be good. Uh, but I think that's a a good start. I would kneecap both those guys for sure. Harden, right? Like. Oh yeah, Rich Harden's absurd. Uh, and then, yeah, but, but, but like, or what did I say, Rich, Rich Harden? Because pitcher. Rich Harden would probably stick it to you too with that He's fastball. You <laughs> throw at your head. He would. Uh, maybe Rich Harden can take out James Harden. Um, but here, you know, Chris Paul has led some teams, New Orleans and and the Clippers, with fairly weak rosters, and those teams have beat the Wolves too. So I, I I think I'm with you. It might have to be both guys injured in order to have a chance to win the series, right? Like. You gotta win four games. Yeah. Both yeah, those think, guys have yes. to be out. Yeah. In other words, good luck. Are you guys uh, up to speed on the rookie of the year argument and spat that's been taking place in the NBA I between s- Ben Simmons yeah. and Donovan Mitchell? Yes. A little bit. So Ben Simmons, technically in his second year in the league, in the association, but he didn't play at all last year. So by NBA rules, he is eligible to win Rookie of the Year. Blake Griffin and David Robinson did the same thing. Did not play because of injury the first year uh, after being drafted, but then won Rookie of the Year in year two. Well, Ben Simmons is having a great year and was asked about it and said, yeah, I should be 100% Rookie of the Year. No questions asked. Nobody's even in contention. I rule. Donovan Mitchell of the Jazz disagrees. He wore a hoodie to last night's game that was looked like a dictionary definition of the word rookie, and it said something like a player who's playing in his first year in the league for a team, blah, blah, blah. 
Ben Simmons came back, said, yeah, well, if that's his best argument, I think I'll be fine. Anyway, they're spatting between who should be rookie of the year. Sure. I will ask you guys, we know what the NBA says. What do you say? Is Ben Simmons a rookie? Yes. I would draw the line on a guy like Ichiro in 2001. If you played professional baseball for like seven years in a different league, like if Ben Simmons had gone and played. <laughs> he played professional college basketball, to be fair. Okay, I mean, fair, fair point. But if he were... If Otani's he, not. Right. I agree with but that. But he is. So this is right. where you'd have to almost set... I don't know, because like Otani did play professional baseball in the same league that Ichiro did, but Otani's 23 and Ichiro was like 27 when he came over, and I find, those, I find that four-year age gap to be a deal breaker, but I don't know how you would draw that line. No. Um, if you're, I mean, if, if you're coming from the college ranks and you missed, and you missed a season and you're still 21, like, you're a rookie for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. But if you played over in Europe for, like, five years in not. a professional I, league and came over and... Yes, I agree. You know? Well, what if you're... um Who was it? Was it Brandon Jennings went from high school and then he went and played in Europe for a year when he was 18 yes. and then got drafted? Uh, that's like... Well, I think he's probably still a rookie. There might have to be an age consideration there, too. But I would say Ben Simmons, without question, is a rookie. Yeah. Yes. If you if you sat out and didn't play because you you were hurt and then came back and played, it's fine. Especially because he's what twenty two or so. Twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then then yeah. If you if you go play professionally elsewhere, I think that that you shouldn't be. Matt Suey, correct? I, I believe that he won the award playing for the Yankees at one point. That's ridiculous. You played professionally. I think he came here at the age of 27, 28. So if you go and play in a different pro league, I say you're not a candidate for the award. But if you just sit out and come back and you're 21, it's fine. Yeah, there was something like like Ichiro came in, hit 350 and won the MVP award his first year. And everyone knew that he was an incredible player in Japan. But he was technically a rookie because Japan is a minor league compared to like the Japanese Pacific League, it's probably double A or triple A in quality, and uh, and you're graduating. I think to the major baseball. Leagues. I think baseball should pass a rule, and this might be too general, but if there's a posting fee for your services, you're, you're not, not a, a rookie. rookie. If if I'm going to pay a million plus to get your rights, I don't think that you should be up for an award that a guy coming up from triple A can get. That's fair. How about that? And what if you're so if you're a Nikola Pekovic and you're twenty, let's say you're twenty six when when you come over, but you played professionally in Europe. I could see saying that no. is a minor league for sure. So it is a step up. Are you a rookie? I mean, you've been playing professionally, but it's you're an NBA rookie. I don't know. It's hard to draw that line. By the way, Twins uh, in trouble again here in the second inning. Kyle Gibson now falling behind three and one to George Springer with yeah. two runners on, two out. Twins down one to nothing. This is to the Astros. This is Gibby. The big, I think the biggest difference, let's talk about this when we come back. We'll see if you can get out of the jam, but there's a huge difference between Gibson versus this lineup and Lance Lynn slash Jake Odorizzi versus this lineup. All right. And also, we got a couple big games tonight, Wild and Wolves. What are your thoughts if you could only guarantee victory for one of them? This is a great question from Justin on Twitter. There's a walk, by the way. Base is loaded. Uh, if you could only guarantee victory for one of them, who would it be and why? And how do you feel if the Wolves lose this game tonight? What should happen? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready by poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN. 
Minnesota United back in action this Saturday. It'll be in Portland to take on the Timbers. You can tune in at 9 o'clock for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by kickoff at 9.30. Dan Terhar on the call here. All the action all season long right here on 1500 ESPN. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Kyle Gibson struck out Alex Bregman to strand the bases loaded in the second inning there. He's put a ton of guys on base. Just like we predicted he would. Astros, uh, what, that he would put a, guys on base <laughs> no, or strike that, out Alex Bregman? That he would strike out Bregman. No. Uh, so he's put a lot of guys on base, but only one run across so far for the Astros. Buxton facing McCullers in the bottom of the second right now. He's down 0-1. So uh, just to finish my thought on Gibson, you and I were talking about this before the show. It felt like watching Lance Lynn and Jake Odorizzi against that amazing lineup the last two nights, they were able to navigate, and there's a ball down the left field line for Buxton. I can't call play-by-play or I'm going to get in trouble, but he looks to be standing on second base. A little double for Byron Buxton fair. to start the inning. Corey won't mind. Um, and I'm not nearly as uh, qualified as Corey Provost to do that. So I think Odorizzi and Lance Lynn have been through so many big outings or outings against big-time lineups. They've had a lot more success in the major leagues and come from pitching-rich organizations in St. Louis and Tampa. They've built up all these reference points. So Gibson's actually older, I think, than Odorizzi and the same age as Lance Lynn. And they all have probably about the same number of major league innings thrown. I mean, they've both been around for about five years. Mm -hmm. But Kyle Gibson doesn't have the same success reference points and organizational (laughs) reference points. (laughs) So when he runs into trouble... For the most part, the last couple of years, he turns into a deer in the headlights and you got to bring the pitching coach out and calm him down. And Lance Lynn and Jake Odorizzi just kind of take a deep breath and that's what I was gonna make say. a pitch, right? O- Odorizzi last night was not that good, but you know what? He was never flustered. No, he was not. That's the interesting thing. I mean, if you look at his pitching line and if, if you look at the fact that I think he gave up three leadoff walks and a single... And he takes a lot of time, but there was never a there was never a sequence where you said, "Oh my gosh, he's flustered." I mean, think about the amount of times that you've seen Gibson flustered. It's a lot, mostly all the time. And Lynn <laughs> yeah. and Lynn was PO'd. I mean, I thought when Lynn the, these two games when he's pitched, I've sensed he's mad. But last night with Jake, he was just like, "Okay, I'm not that good. I, I'll adjust." And he goes to the stretch in the fourth and things like that. And that's the difference is is he doesn't have to be great, but he still doesn't get flummoxed by it. Uh, and now there's a there's a wild pitch. So Buxton's on third base. So the Twins have a runner on third base with nobody out and Jason Castro batting in the bottom of the second. And it's just going to take time. They've the, the Twins are so far behind the last five or ten years in developing pitching in general, but like instilling that confidence in those tools and 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 understanding. Okay, here's your stuff. Here's what your approach should be. This is your path to success. Like they're revamping all of their pitchers' approaches, even, yeah. and they're customizing approaches based on stuff all throughout the organization. And they weren't doing as good of a job of that in uh, in recent years. That's we'll very see. very true. So so far, Gibson two innings, forty two pitches, only twenty two strikes. He's he's in nibble mode here. Three walks, two hits, the one earned run. He's got a couple of strikeouts, so he's kind of been all over the place. But I can see if you're not fully confident against a lineup like that, you're you're, you're not going to throw the ball over the plate to George Springer or Jose Altuve mm-hmm. or uh, Carlos Correa. So I can see it. He's just going to have to build that up. 
Did you guys, you guys probably didn't catch any of the Andre the Giant documentary last night. Did you? I did not. I was at, at the Twins game during it, so I didn't see it. I left I the Twins it. game early specifically to watch the Andre the Giant documentary. But I saw tweets about it that said it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And their documentaries are great. HBO? It, oh, they do a great job. And it took it took on the feeling of more like an ESPN 30 for 30 because Bill Simmons was the executive producer. And, and so, you know, he had his hands all over. He was the creator of 30 for 30 and helped organize that. And he was the executive producer. But, uh, Dave, you must have grown up watching Andre, right? You watched wrestling back in the day. Absolutely. Like, he... I just wrote down a couple anecdotes from this. I don't want to spoil the whole thing. It's an hour and a half, and the whole thing is, like, footage you've never seen before, stories you've never heard before. Um, Vince McMahon was prominently featured throughout this. Hulk Hogan was one of the main interview subjects. Ric Flair. The drinking stories. There was, like... It wasn't... It's not just, like, one person telling an Andre drinking story that may or may not be true. They talked to like six or seven different people, all with different Andre the Giant drinking stories. So either they're all lying or it's true that Andre, for instance, once drank 106 beers in a sitting, which Judd poo-poos. Judd's been there before, right? 106. Bunny's right there. <laughs> uh, he would, at minimum, when he would be done wrestling for the day or for the night, and then they go to wind down. So just like, let's go get some drinks to wind down. Let's go get a couple beers, right? He would start with a 24-pack, so a case of beer. Like, that was the minimum. So those of us who just go out for a beer or two, like his beer or two, yeah. Andre the Giant was 24, or a case of wine. Either Ooh. or, or both. Yeah. Okay, that's exceeding. Insane. Anything. Um, another thing that I had never heard before, so obviously it was hard for him to travel on airplanes because he's over 7 feet tall and weighs like 400 or 500 pounds. He's a giant. So he couldn't fit into airport or uh, airplane bathrooms. So when they would go on these trips, when the WWF would go on these trips to, you know, wherever, overseas, and it's like a 14-hour flight, or when he'd go back to France because his family lived in France, and and you're on a plane for that many hours because he couldn't get into the bathroom, they'd have to pull the curtain shut in front of the bathroom. He'd go to the bathroom in a bucket, and then they would dump the bucket in the toilet Uh. in the bathroom. Oh, okay. Because he's like, you yeah, know, no, I get can't it. fit it's in impossible. the bathroom. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Okay. Um, and then this is probably more for Dave, WrestleMania three, mm-hmm. one of the great WrestleManias, Pontiac Silverdome. They put 90 plus thousand people inside, indoor attendance record. And if you believe Hulk Hogan and some of the other people that were involved in the lead up to that match, Andre the Giant had never lost in 15 years. And if you wanted, like, no one would pin him. If he didn't want to get pinned, then you just... So Hogan apparently didn't know he was going over in the match until the end of the actual match. So Hogan wrote out kind of a script. He's like, I'm going to write this out. This is what we should do. We should start out with this and I'll you know, punches. And then right away, right away, uh, I'm going to go for a body slam and then you're going to fall on top of me. And then I'm going to almost get pinned in the first five seconds of the match. And he presents this script to Andre in the days leading up to the match. And Andre just says, get out, get out of here. You know, poo poos it. I think he took the script, but just like poo-pooed Hogan. Mm -hmm. And so Hogan didn't know, I don't know, am I going to win? Am I not going to win? What's going to happen? So they get in the ring, and 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 five minutes before the match, Hogan walks up and again says, hey, am I, are we good? What's going on? Am I, what's the result of the match? And Andre's like, whatever, we'll find out in the ring, I guess. (laughs) But they get in the ring, and Hogan goes to throw, or Andre was it? Andre goes to throw a punch. Hogan blocks it, just like in the script, and Andre says, you know, go for the slam 
and and falls on. So Andre stuck to the script throughout the match until the very end, and Hogan left the the finish open, and Hogan could hear Andre yell, "Slam me!" And he walks toward Hogan. Hogan picks him up, slams him, and then as he's being slammed, Andre yells, "Leg drop!" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that part. And Hogan bounces off the ropes, delivers the leg drop, pins him, but didn't know if Andre was going to kick out or not. And wow. that was that was how WrestleMania three's main event. Went down. Now, I had always heard that it was literally right before the body slam, the big time, you know, Hogan slammed Andre, that Andre told him. I thought it was more of like a whisper in the air, slam me, and Hogan's like, oh, yeah. I'll try. So Hogan says he yelled it. I mean, whatever. He told him to slam him right before, because the, the first slam was at the beginning, and it was it was supposed to be like a failed slam, but it was Hogan's sign that, oh, Andre's sticking to the script that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is good. But he could go off script and beat you whenever he wants right. to because he's 500 pounds. So that was fun. Who, and there's a million other stories. Who that, told us the, the beer story in studio? Um, it was uh, probably probably Greg Gagne. Was it right? Greg? It was Greg. We had him on the phone. It was yeah, after the right. Ric Flair thing. Because he we, told yeah. us the beer thing. Well, we, we watched the Ric Flair 30 for 30, and we couldn't believe the drinking in both Jim Brunzel yeah. and Greg Gagne. said, no. It's true. It's true. With it's Rick and with Andre. absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine going out drinking with Ric Flair and Andre the Giant in like no. the late 80s? Uh, no, that would be a really <laughs> bad idea. I not see the next day. Ridiculous. Uh, twins still down one to nothing in the second inning. We're back tomorrow to recap. Wolves, Wilds. All of the things today and tonight. It'll be tonight. a very depressing sports day tomorrow. <laughs>